Well, I want to uh, start off the message this morning by introducing you guys to our newest staff member. Uh, this, is, this is Stephen right here, and he has been faithfully cleaning the sanctuary for the last few weeks. He's been uh, getting, you know, getting all of the, the dust collected and, and everything like that. And uh, he doesn't talk very much, but occasionally he'll, he'll scream at us, like, put me back down on the floor and things like that, because he doesn't like being up high like this. Uh, and sometimes he gets lost, so he's, we're, we're, we're constantly having to work with him and, uh, and make sure to keep him on task. But he's doing his best to make sure to keep the floors clean for you. And uh, the thing about, uh, about Stephen and, and vacuums like this is, is we are in an age right now of automation, aren't we? We have lots of different tools, lots of things that we can do in order to, in order to make our lives simpler. We automate our, our vacuuming. We automate our dishes. We've been doing that for a long time. We have machines in our house. We load it. The dishes get magically cleaned, and then we unload it, and uh, it takes away all of that finicky. Well, actually, you still have to scrub your dishes, and then you put them in there. I don't know why. Um, your clothes, though, your clothes go in dirty. They come out, come out clean. We've also got things like, uh, like bill pay. You know, I, I um, am constantly setting up uh, more and more uh, more and more things to, to pay on a recurring basis so that I don't have to try and keep all of this in my head. Instead, what I get to do is I get to offload this to an automated system, and then I can, you know, forget about those bills, and, and I can focus on things that are really important to me. Um, thermostats are another one that we've had for a long time that it's like, like when you have it programmed right, it, it's amazing. You get up in the morning, the house is at a good temperature, you go to bed at night, the house is at a good temperature, and, uh, and it just keeps everything going for you so that you don't have to think about it. You're not, you're not stoking fires, or you're not stoking the logs on the fire anymore. You're not, you're not doing that type of stuff. Instead, you just get heat when it's appropriate, or in the summer, you get cool, and it's an amazing thing. We love automation. We love to, to offload as many of those things as possible so that we don't have to, to think about them. I mean, we can think about the things that are really important. So there's, with automation, there's always this, this setup period where you're, you're adjusting things, you're tweaking things, you're trying to figure things out. And then there's the maintenance period where you're just kind of checking in periodically. You never, you never completely leave it to itself, especially with something important like paying bills. You're not going to just forget about it completely, but you know, maybe you get to the point where you only have to check in a couple times a month instead of doing it every single day or every single week. Um, oftentimes there's this period of, of review and adjustment where you have to say, okay, my, my internet bill went from $20 a month to $25 a month or you know, 50 to 60 or whatever, so I need to adjust now my automation in order to make sure that I'm still getting the uh, that it's still working right. So you review, you adjust, and uh, but then you but then you set it back in to maintenance mode. And here's what I want to propose to us today: is that a lot of us have automated our spiritual lives. A lot of us have we we had a period of our life that was more intense that we were that we were on fire for God that we were that we were um, uh, you know attending all of the prayer meetings we were in all of the. Uh, all of the Bible studies, we, we were reading our Bible every day, we were learning, we were growing, and then at some point, we kind of took a step back, we said, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to just rely on 
this one devotion now, and this is going to be the extent of my spiritual life, or I'm just going to come on Sundays or Wednesdays or, uh, you know, I'm just going to go to this Bible study, and that's going to be the extent of my spiritual life. And, and then I can say, okay, I've got this checked off, and now I can move on to more important things. And for so many of us, for, or for a lot of us in here, that's exactly what we've done. And I think this is a, this is a natural thing. It happens, it happens all of the time in a lot of different areas of our life where, where we, want to, we want to get to a good you know, baseline of activity. And then, and, then we can, and then we can add things, tweak things, adjust things, and, and kind of move on with our lives. But what happens when we're not an active participant in our spiritual growth, is that, that we, we miss a lot of the things that God is trying to do. And we assume that because God told me something 25 years ago, that that was it. And that was where God wanted me to stay, and this is what God wanted for me. And, and so we miss what God wants to do now because we've automated and because we've, we've just set our spiritual lives at a standard. So today we're going to ask the question again, and I want us to, this is going to be review for most of us, but I want us to come back to this question again because it's important to us that we learn what it means to love like Jesus. So we're, today we're going to ask the question, what is the process by which we learn to love like Jesus? What is the process? How do we go about learning to love like Jesus? Now, for a lot of you guys, you're like, oh, okay, I already know this. And so you've already automated, you've already tuned out, right? You've already, you've already checked out. You're like, okay, uh, he's going to say, read the Bible, pray, attend a small group, get involved in service. That's, that's what he's going to say. And, and so you've already checked out. But I want to encourage you guys for the next few minutes this morning to lean in. Because we're going to talk about your spiritual life. We're going to talk about how the church is designed to help you with your spiritual growth. And then we're going to encourage you to take that next step, whatever it is. Because I believe that whether you just got saved or whether you've been saved for 90 years, God has something new for you today. Amen? All right, let's dive in. We're going to turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. Around here, our, our mission statement, our vision statement, we try to say it at least one or two times in every service. We are a family that's learning to love like Jesus. I would love it if we could all say this together. Ready? We are a family learning to love like Jesus. That's our, our mission statement, but what does it mean to love like Jesus? Now, we, we could have chosen grow deeper in our faith. We could have chosen become more like Jesus, but I liked having the word love in there because it's active. Because it's something that we have to do. That it's not, it's not just a, a passive thing that comes to us. But it's something that we're learning to do day in and day out, week in and week out. We often exchange growing closer to... Uh, I'm sorry, uh, I just said that. Um, when we look at Jesus, when we, when we read the Gospels, when we examine who Jesus was, we want to get to a point where we do what he did, where we love how he loved... And where we respond the way that he responded. And I'm going to focus a lot on this respond or react today. Because I think it's so critical as we're examining our spiritual lives. So think about the last three days of your life. Okay, just, I, I just want you to replay 
this morning, maybe some things that happened yesterday as you were, as you were you know, cleaning up and getting things organized and stuff like that. Maybe Friday when you were at work. And I want you to just, just look over the last couple of days of your life. And what I want you to ask is, is, did you react to situations the way that Jesus would have? So you think about the person that cut you off in traffic, right? And did you react in that moment the way that Jesus would have asked you to when your kids weren't cleaning up their toys yesterday and you're trying to get everything ready for dinner and they, they just won't clean up and they're wild, they're little feral animals running around. Did you react in that moment the way that Jesus would have? When you passed by that homeless guy on the street, what was your reaction? How did you respond in that moment? What, what, were, what was your what was your reaction there? Did you treat your kids or, or kids, did you treat your parents the way that Jesus would have wanted you to? When you heard that somebody was going through a hard time and you're like, well, I'm going to pray for you, did you actually pray for them? Or did you just say you were going to pray for them? Our goal then is to learn to love like Jesus in what we do, how we speak, and how we react. One more time. Our goal is to learn to love like Jesus in what we do, how we speak, and how we react. Uh, our actions and speech should be to, to do what he did and say what he said. These things should be done and said in the loving way that Jesus would have. And so we want God to begin to transform the way that we talk, to, be able to, to begin to transform the way that we live. And if our spiritual process, if the things that we're doing now in praying and reading our Bible and attending small groups and things like that, aren't leading to changes in what we do and what we say, then that's what we want to re-examine today. That's where we want to take a step back and say, are we hitting the mark in these areas of our lives? And then react. We want to get to a point where, and just as an example, the Bible says to bless those who curse you. And this is so hard, isn't it? The Bible says that when somebody is angry with you, your response should be to forgive them and to love them. The Bible says to even love your enemies. And this is so hard for us to do. And oftentimes what happens is our initial reaction is anger, right? It's, it's yelling. Maybe, maybe, it's not even, maybe it's not even outward, but it's seething inside of ourselves. And we have these... Uh, I can't remember, there was an author that uh, coined the phrase rage fantasies. Um, and it, it <laughs> describes my thought life sometimes. Um, not towards any of you, of course, but um, in other areas of my life. And you have, these, you have these fantasies where you're replaying conversations and you're like, oh man, if I just would have said this, if I just would have done this, or if I would have just walked away then, man, that would have just totally changed the whole situation. And then you imagine that person coming back and saying they're sorry and all of these things. And you're like, you're like you have these, these thoughts that run through your head that aren't what Jesus would have wanted, are they? It's not how Jesus would have reacted. It's not how Jesus would have responded in that moment. I will remind you that when we examine what Jesus would say and what Jesus would do, and when we're talking about loving like Jesus, Jesus did flip tables, Right? So it's not always passive. It's not always laying down and allowing yourself to be a doormat. It's not always submitting, but it is the loving thing to do. And that's where we want to get to, is we want to get to be a people that are learning to love like Jesus so that we don't have to think about what our response should be. 
but we just do it. We just, we just live, we love the way that Jesus would have wanted us to love. We want the word of God to be so ingrained in our hearts that we become an accurate reflection of who he is. And everybody around us sees that when, when you're handed a report at the last minute or when you're handed a project that needs to be due and you're like, I don't know if I have enough time to get this done, you react in the way that Jesus would have wanted you to react. And everybody around you can see it. When you're going through a hard time but you have peace, people can see that. And, and that's where we want to get to in life. So how do we learn to love like Jesus? Second Peter chapter 1 says it like this. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. So the first thing we see here is that growth happens because of his divine power. That, that we are, in a lot of ways, the, the Bible in, in Psalm, uh, Psalm 1 or Psalm 2, I can't remember now, says that we are like a tree planted by a river that grows in season and produces fruit all of the time. That those of us that are, that are um, part of God's family, that our job is to stay by the river, God's job is to cause us to grow. Right? And so we, we see in here that there is, there is a passive element to spiritual growth. That it's not, I doesn't matter what I do, it doesn't matter how hard I work, I will never become more like Jesus on my own. It's got to be through his divine power that enables all of this to happen. So our growth comes through his divine power. Um, but that, that growth then and that, that divine power is to enable us to live a godly life. A life, and the, again, we've, we've said this as a life that's learning to love like Jesus because, because we, want to, we want to focus on that active component. But he's saying that our whole life should be focused and centered around God and around who he is. We want to be a person that acts, speaks, and reacts the way that Jesus does. And then he gave us these great and precious promises. This is verse, uh, verse 4. It says, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. What he's saying here is that he's given us divine, or he's given us great and precious promises, and these promises will enable us to become more like Jesus, to participate, it says, in that divine nature. In other words, to be more like who Jesus was. To, it's not saying that we're going to become God, but it's saying that we're going to become more and more like him as we stay planted where he has us, as we stay fixed to that vine like he talks about in John 15. As we stay in his presence, we're going to become more and more like him. And we've be, been given these promises because these promises help us to stay where we need to be. Because it's not always easy, is it, to stay where God has you. It's not always easy to, to go through the, the, uh, um, the trials and the tribulations that are happening where you are. It's so easy to uproot yourself and move and go and to start somewhere else. And yet because we've got these promises that we can hang on to in the meantime. So we've got his divine power and we've got his promises working in tandem to help us to learn to love like Jesus. Uh, verse 5. For this very reason then, 
He says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Now, I want, I want to point out here that he says, make every effort. In other words, there's the divine component. There's the divine power component. But there's also a Jeff component to it, right? There's a, there's a component to it that is, that is on me. That is, I need to make this a priority. I need to invest in this. I need to do the work that God is asking me to do in order to see my spiritual life change. So he says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. In other words, your faith shouldn't just be in Jesus and then, and then you're like, okay, I, I'm saved. I know where I'm going when I die and now I'm just going to go out and live whatever way I want. But he says, when you get faith, when you get saved, when you begin to, this relationship with Jesus, you should be looking to be gooder, right? <laughs> you should be looking to be better. You should be looking to add goodness to your life. And to goodness, he says, knowledge. And I, I love that, that he puts goodness first and then knowledge because so many of us think that, that we need knowledge first before we can serve people. We need to know before we can do. But, but the Bible oftentimes flips those two things and says that God has already given you what you need. Now go. And in your going, you're going to get the knowledge. In your going, you're going to begin to understand what God has for you. He says to knowledge then, when you, when you start getting knowledge, it should lead to self-control in your life. You should start understanding how to control yourself better. Why? Because the Bible is like a mirror that you hold up in front of yourself. And as you're, as you're reading it, as you're studying it, as you're growing in your faith, you should be seeing a reflection of yourself in there. We're going to talk about that more in just a couple minutes. But add to your knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance. Because we want to stick with this for the long term. It's not enough just to be like the, the seed that was thrown out on the rocky soil that springs up right away and then dies as soon as the heat comes. But we want to add to our goodness, our knowledge, our self-control. We want to add to it perseverance, sticking with it for the long term. To perseverance, godliness, becoming more like Jesus. And to godliness, mutual affection. To mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is interesting because what he's saying here is that your knowledge of God isn't enough to keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Did you guys see that? Did you guys recognize that? That simply coming to church, that simply attending a Bible study, even opening up the Bible for yourself and reading does not mean that you will immediately be effective and productive in your spiritual life. There's something else. There's something missing in there. And it's all of these things that he's just talked about. He said that when you're, when you're learning, when you're growing, when you're, when you're attempting to become more like Jesus, you need to be focused on it. You can't just automate this. You can't just assume that if I read my Bible every day, that that's it. We're going to, again, we're going to talk about that more in just a couple minutes. Uh, we've automated our, our spiritual formation then to a pastor. We've offloaded it to, to the person, whether it's a pastor, Bible study leader, small group leader, the person that wrote the devotional. We've oftentimes automated our spiritual walk, and we don't want to do that. We want to focus on becoming more like Jesus. I've got a, a friend that's going to join me up here on stage now, and uh, he just moved over here from, he was most recently in the Tri-Cities, right? Uh, was most recently ministering over in Post Falls. This is Corey. You guys have probably seen him 
around a little bit. He feels that, uh, that for this next season of his life that God has called him to minister here. He is looking for a, a full-time position, and so we are, uh, we are grateful to have him here as long as he's going to be here. We're going to use and abuse him as long as he's here, but we're also going to bless him. When, when God opens up those, those doors for him. So be praying for him. But I asked him to come and share a little bit about his spiritual life and some of the things that he's done in order to see, um, see growth in his spiritual life. So here's Corey. Thank you. So Pastor Jeff has asked me um, just a few questions. One of them is, what are some of the ways that I've grown closer to God throughout my life? Um, a lot of it is honestly, reading my Bible. Um, you just kind of talked about that for a second, but it wasn't just reading my Bible. It's putting in the work when you read the Bible. It's reading it. It's asking a lot of my friends that are more uh, spiritually mature than I am, like, hey, what does this really mean? I, I had questions about this. It's putting in that extra work. Um, another way is this summer, I got to actually work at a uh, summer camp. Um, and those of you who have never done that, it is a lot of work. It's six days a week. It's from like six in the morning to anywhere one or two in the morning, depending on uh, what kind of groups you're doing constantly. And those of you who have ever washed lots and lots of dishes before, it's a lot of that as well. Um, and so in doing so, it really humbled me. Um, and it's a great way to go closer to God. I encourage you, if you're not serving somewhere, to just get out and serve um, and find a ministry you can serve in. And find somewhere where you can just serve because in doing that, I've grown so much closer to God. It has really shown me how um, to be humble in his presence. It's shown me uh, just so many different ways on a lot of people are going through stuff that can be worse than what we're going through. Or not even worse, but just something different. We could be going through one thing and they could be going through something completely separate or even the same thing. And we can be that person that's able to help them by serving um, in this way or that way. So that's a great way um, to help, just like that. I've personally gone closer to God. And then um, God's just calling me right now. He asked me uh, what kind of what God is calling me to do now. Um, like Pastor Jeff said, it's right now I'm looking for full-time ministry in youth or kids. Um, and But in the season right here, he's just called me to really just be here and pour into the kids and youth ministry um, those of you who know Pastor Greg, I met him a few years ago, uh, and he has honestly helped me in so many ways with my spiritual uh, maturity and just my walk in faith. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to be here, and Jeff can use and abuse me like he said, but in a nice way. Uh, yeah, I'm not a church intern anymore, Pastor Jeff, so I have rights now. Let's go. Amen. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this is, I'm here. Um, if you have any questions, you'll definitely see me around, so please just Come ask me some questions if you have any, um, and I encourage you, if you have kids or youth, I'm super passionate about that ministry, so bring them to church. We would love to have them. We'd love to have the opportunity to uh, meet you guys as well and just introduce them to, like, just church and God, and yeah, that's kind of... Cool. Can we, can we give Corey a hand? <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate you. Man, he, uh, well, he just preached the rest of my sermon, so I guess that's, uh, that's it. All right, uh, real quick, I've got six points, <laughs> okay? So <laughs> buckle up. Uh, maybe grab out your, grab your note page, and we're going to go through these really quick. Um, the first thing that we want to do in order to, in order to grow 
and to see not just, a, not just an automated spiritual life, but to take an active role in our spiritual life is, is we want to read the Bible, right? But we want to read the Word, and we want to allow the Word to read us. In other words, when you're reading the Bible, it shouldn't just be that, that you're understanding the story, but you want to start to see yourself in the story, and you want to start to understand. And, and oftentimes, uh, we like to place ourselves as the hero of the story, but we're not always David facing down Goliath. Sometimes we're the scared Israelites on the hillside, right? <laughs> so, sometimes we're just waiting for a Savior to come and to, and to help us because we know that we have no hope and no, no clue on our own. Uh, but we want to start to see how God is working in each of these different stories that we're reading. Um, uh, just recently in our, in our Bible reading, we read the story of, of Aaron, and he makes this golden calf. And, and we want to start asking ourselves, what are the golden calves in my life? What are the things in my life that, are, that I'm setting up as idols? And when we start to do that, when we start to ask questions of the text, then, then we're going to start to, like I said, hold up that mirror in our lives that helps us to see where, where our deficiencies are so that we can become more like Jesus. The Bible says, Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates the dividing of, of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And so as you're reading the Bible, if, if the Bible always agrees with you, you might not be reading the Bible, you might just be reading yourself, right? But, but we want to read the Bible in order to understand how to become more like Jesus. Uh, that was Corey's first point. Corey's next point was, was to be spending time in prayer, but, but I want to add to that to make room for repentance when you pray. Because as you're reading the Bible and you're allowing the Bible to read you, we want to take time to repent. Now, this is something that as a charismatic church, as an Assembly of God church, we don't always put as much emphasis on as we need to. But we should be allowing God to speak to us, and we should be then responding, and our, our hearts should be broken when we see things about ourselves that, that God isn't happy with when we see things about ourselves that are more me than Jesus. And so we want to take time not just to pray, but also to add repentance to our prayers. The next one, we want to look for ways to use our time, talents, and resources to honor God. I just did a whole message on that last week, so I'm not going to spend too much time today. But, but basically, we want, to, we want to spend time serving, giving, allowing God to use what he's placed inside of us because that's how we're going to grow. Now, those are the, the three kind of main areas. Those are points one, two, and three. Um, here's where it gets transformative now, is, is we're going to take these practices, praying, reading the Bible, giving, serving, those types of things. We're going to take these practices now, and we're going to take them to the next level. And the first, the, or the, I guess the fourth point, then, is to share what God is speaking to you with people who can hold you accountable. This is why we have small groups here at the, at the church is because we want to provide environments where you can come and you can say, God has been challenging me to do this. And a couple weeks from now, somebody can check in with you and say, have you been doing the thing that God has challenged you to do? They say that, that if you just vocalize any sort of goal, any sort of challenge, any sort of commitment that you make, that you have a 65% higher chance of completing it just by saying it out loud to another person. If you say, I'm committing to reading my Bible every day, you have a 65% higher chance of completing it just by saying it out loud to somebody else. 
But if you can get an accountability partner, if you can get somebody to come alongside of you and do it with you, if you can say, hey, every morning we're going to get up and we're going to go for a walk, your chances of succeeding go up by 90%. And so, so finding somebody that you can share what God is speaking to you that can help hold you accountable. For a lot of you, it's going to be your spouse. Um, but there are some things that you don't even necessarily want to share with your spouse. And so having close brothers and sisters that can come alongside of you, that can help to, to minister to you, to hold you accountable, it's so critical. It's so important, again, to, to lead to transformation in our lives, which is really what we're doing here. The next thing we're going to do is we're going to share what God is doing with those who don't know him. So we said we're going to share what God is speaking with people who do know him and can help hold us accountable. We're also going to share what God is doing with those who don't know him. And the reason that we do this is because, because the best way to learn something is to try and teach it to somebody else. The best way to solidify something that's happening in your life is to begin to try and explain it to somebody else. It doesn't matter what the thing is. If you want to get really good at that recipe, bring somebody in that doesn't know it so that you can teach them how to do it. If you want to get really good at fixing that car, walk somebody through the process that you take for diagnosing and fixing a vehicle, and it's going to help to solidify it in your mind. Any area of your life, if you share what you're learning with somebody else, if you take time to teach it to somebody else, it, it locks it in to your brain, and you become more, uh, you become, you, it, it transforms you. It helps to solidify, it helps to confirm the things that are happening, because they're going to ask you a, a silly question, and you're going to be like, whoa, I completely missed that. And, and so you're, you're, you're locking it in. You're, you're taking the transformation that God is doing in your life, and you're, you're locking it in. This also has the, the benefit of God has called us to go and to make disciples. And when we start sharing what God is doing in our life, man, God, God asked me to fast for the next X number of days. God is, God is challenging me to stop consuming this type of media. God wants me to, um, you know, serve more at the church, or God is asking me to go on this mission trip. When you're going out and you're sharing the things that God is doing in your life, not just to believers, but also to unbelievers, it is a way to begin and to engage in those spiritual conversations. And that's what God wants us to do. He calls us all to go and to make disciples. And then the last thing, so we said, we said we're going to read the Bible reflectively. We said we're going to pray, and when we pray, we're going to add to it repentance. We said that we're going to give, serve, and, uh, and use our talents and our abilities for God's glory. We said we're going to share what God is speaking with us, speaking to us with those who can hold us accountable. We're going to share what God is doing with those who don't know him. And then the last one sums up all five, and, uh, and it just says consistency is key. And you guys have heard me say this when it comes to our Bible reading plan, but you're going to hear me say this about every area of your life. If you fall off the horse, get back up again, right? If you are, if you are struggling in an area of your life, get back up again. If you, if you have ignored the Bible reading for the last month, start up again today. Start up again tomorrow, right? You don't have to play catch up. The, the best time to start something is right now, right? It's right now. Don't, don't wait, don't delay, but also don't get so down on yourself because you can't do anything about what happened yesterday, 
All you can do is move forward. And so consistency, consistently operating in the same things over time, is going to get you the results that you want. We want to we be involved in, in Bible reading. We want to be involved in, in prayer time. The thing is, nobody expects you to run a marathon if you can't run a mile first. And so often, we get down on ourselves because we're like a baby learning to walk and we're just taking a few steps, and we see people that are running wind sprints next to us, and we're like, I'm never going to be like that person, so I'm just going to give up, I'm just going to quit, or I'm going to settle, right? And that's really what we're talking about today, is this, this automation idea, is this idea of I'm just going to settle. I'm just going to, I've figured out a few things, I'm good now where I'm at, and I'm just going to settle. And I want to encourage you guys, don't settle in your spiritual lives. So, we, we offer multiple things here to help encourage you and to, to, to help to, to support your spiritual life. We've got our, our deeper, it's our, we have deeper, it's our monthly prayer meeting. We have um, uh, also a pre-service prayer meeting at 920. It's open to everybody. Anybody that wants to come and attend, you are welcome to at 920, right down here in the front of the sanctuary. We'd love to have you there. Just getting around people that know how to pray is going to help to support and encourage your prayer life. We've got Bible reading uh, that we're doing all year long. We also have small groups to help go along with that Bible reading plan. We've got um, all sorts of different things that, that we are doing in order to help you grow in your faith. And I want to encourage you not to, just, not to just sit, not to just settle, but to press in to what God has for you. When I was praying about this message, um, God spoke to me very clearly because I was thinking about on one hand, how easy a message it is, right? It's, it's all stuff. If, if this was uh, revolutionary for you, um, I, I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Um, but I'm guessing that for most of us, this is a sermon that we've heard a lot of times before. But also what I'm calling you to is hard work. I'm calling you to, uh, and the, the, the word disciple is the same, same root word as the word discipline, Right? And I'm calling you to be disciplined. I'm calling you to be a disciple because we want to learn to love like Jesus. And so I was praying about this. God, how do I communicate? How do I convince people that where they're at, you know, God loves you where you're at, but he loves you too much to leave you there. And how do I communicate to them that, that all of us, we're, regardless of how long we've been saved, all of us need to take that next step in our spiritual walk. And what he said to me is this. He said, he said, this should be hard work because we're preparing for battle. This should be hard work because there's an enemy out there that's trying to divide us, trying to distract us, trying to keep us from the things that God wants us to do. His greatest thrill is for us to become complacent. Why? Because, because Jesus in, in Revelation chapter 3 said that when you're lukewarm, when you're neither hot nor cold, you have this, you have this semblance of, of being a Bible-believing Christian, of being somebody that, that is attending church. Maybe you're even serving occasionally, but you're not really growing in your faith. And Jesus says there's this tipping point there where you become lukewarm, and he's going to spit you out of his mouth. And he says, he says that if you become, if you allow yourself to miss this, if you allow yourself to stop growing, he says, he says I wish you were cold. He says, I wish you were either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm... I have to spit you out. At least the cold people recognize that there's a problem. At least they recognize that there's a need in their life. 
It's when we're in that lukewarm middle that's so dangerous for so many of us. God didn't call us to be passive. He wants us to always be learning to love like Jesus. So right now, what I want to do is I want us just to bow our heads. We're going to take a, a few seconds to ask God, God, what is the area of my life where you need me to step up? For some of you, it's attending more consistently. God just needs to get you in and around people that love him. Maybe you're going to start attending a small group on Wednesday nights. Maybe, maybe you're going to attend a, a Bible study during the week. Maybe you're going to start coming more often on Sunday mornings. God's got something for you. For some of you, it's you need to start making prayer and Bible study time a priority in your life. For some of you, it's you need to take that next step towards giving and serving. I don't know what God is going to ask you to do, but if I could just have everybody go ahead and bow their heads now. And we just want to take a moment just to ask God, God, what is my next step? What is that thing that's going to help me to learn to love like Jesus more and more? To keep, our, keep myself from being on autopilot and instead to engage in everything that God has for me. Lord, we just thank you for this time that we've had, Lord. And, and God, we just ask now that you would speak to us. God, show us what we need to be doing. just want to give you some encouragement here. If God is speaking to you about, about serving or about getting involved or you need more information, for some of you it's going to be water baptism. You need to get baptized in water. You need to, to get, um, uh, maybe you want to become a member. It's probably too late for this morning's business meeting, but maybe, maybe God is calling you to take that step in your spiritual life. We've got a next steps card in the pew. Fill it out. You can stick it in one of the offering boxes, and uh, we will have somebody contact you this week to, uh, to um, talk about whatever it is. If you need prayer, fill out one of the prayer cards. We'd love to be, to be praying with you. I'm going to go ahead and pray for us one more time, and then we're going to dismiss. We're going to have a little break. We'll have some cookies. We'll get everybody signed in for the business meeting. Um, but I just want to encourage you in this, that, that God wouldn't have set this up if it wasn't possible for you to do. That he wouldn't, he wouldn't have made this a priority if it wasn't something that, that we could do. This is not something that, that, we should, that we should become religious and dogmatic about. Instead, this is part of growing our relationship with Jesus. Part of becoming more like him and becoming his reflection than to the world around us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we've had this morning. And God, I just ask that, that each of us, Lord, would take up this challenge that you've given us to learn to love like Jesus in what we do, what we say, and how we react to different situations so that we become more like you in every area of our life. Because, God, we want to be that reflection. We want to be that, that, uh, that, that sign to the world, that banner held high, that, that light on a hill that says that, that anybody can come and can receive from God because of what you're doing inside of us. Lord, we just thank you for this. And God, I just ask now as we, as we go, Lord, that you would continue to speak to us, continue to challenge us. And God, I pray that you would even remind us of this tonight and tomorrow morning as we're, as we're getting ready for work. God, that we would remember.